0: I'm Aaron Schlein, and I'm here to help you turn your love of travel into a thriving business and a dream life. This is Dramatic Travels Entrepreneurs. Yahoo ho there, my friend. Aaron Schlein here, and you have landed on episode number 32 of Dramatic Travels Entrepreneurs. My friend, podcasting plays a huge part in my dream life, and it can do the same for you. Unleash the power of your voice and start your podcasting journey today. Head over to dramaticpodcasting.com. You can read my story and enroll in my free podcasting mini course to help you start your podcasting journey the right way. That's DramaticPodcasting.com. Notes for this episode are available at DramaticTravels.com slash E32. I've invited Mari Ramirez from Austin, Texas on the program today to talk taxes. And before you go flipping off to some other more potentially more exciting podcast, don't do it. I brought Mari on for a reason. Mari is not just any CPA. She is a CPA who specializes in personal brand entrepreneurs in the travel space. She has it rock solid advice for us in growing our our businesses, the best tax structures for our business, and to be able to carry us forward. So we keep more of that income, and we can keep doing what we do. You can find Marty at MartyCPA dot com. Marty Ramirez, welcome to Dramatic Travels, Entrepreneurs.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Before we dive into taxes, I got we gotta talk just a little bit of travel here because you're in the space for a reason. And I'd love to hear about just you as a person and specifically about travel. How has travel impacted your life?
1: <laughs> um, I don't really travel around that much. Although the last like three years, I've traveled more in my lifetime than I have ever, but I have a lot of kids. So, but I'm like always surrounded by travelers, mm. I guess, because in Austin, everyone's from everywhere. So it's it's constant moving around of people. Um, But like I said, I've I've traveled more than I ever have my entire life. But we grew up really poor, so we never traveled. So now that I'm in this space, like it's been fun. I like had never been to New York City until last year. And I've already been like four times, like in the last year. I don't even know how that happened because that's normally... Like not my jam, but it's been so my jam to go traveling different places and go around. And I have excuses now. I have clients in different places, so um, like, okay, well, let's go. I can go visit you, and we can we can plan. We can we can talk things through. So um, it's been a lot of fun lately.
0: Well, you're a bit of a rock star, at least in in my opinion. <laughs> In this, in this particular space, not just in accounting, but in personal brand entrepreneurs. Madi and I met at TravelCon a couple of months ago. She gave an incredible talk on tax considerations for travel entrepreneurs, for travel businesses. That's when Madi and I connected. So how did you get to that? How did you establish yourself as that rock star in the
1: travel space? You know, I ended up just meeting one person that did a lot of travel blogging and is in that huge space. So, And then just met all of their contacts and then it just kind of expanded from there. And so, um, and that's been a few, I mean, it's been quite a bit of a number of years, at least five years or so that I've just been kind of um, around that space. And once you kind of hit that kind of, you know, this person meet that person, you kind of like, okay, structure yourself. Like this is what we need to do to kind of make sure tax-wise what we where we where we're going. I do a lot of service industries in general, so not just travel. So I kind of run in that, in that space too. I just ended up meeting everyone from there. And on top of that, everyone, like I said, everyone comes to visit Austin. And so I ended up meeting a whole lot of people in that. I've been there for so long, so it's very easy to do.
0: Austin's a heck of a town and we're very fortunate to have have someone like yourself on our side here in this travel business because there's so many things to to wade through so many things to think about. Like we're not just bloggers and podcasters and videographers. We're also entrepreneurs and we have tax things like taxes, things we have to think about every every year in our business and we need people like you and the expertise that you bring to the table to make sure that we stay on the right side of of the IRS and that we stay <clears throat> excuse me that our you know that our balance sheets stay favorable. So let's 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 talk about that. Let's just start at the beginning out there cuz I don't know exactly where everyone is in our audience but I have a feeling this could grow potentially into a multi-part series on taxes for the personal brand travel entrepreneur. But let's start at the beginning when you're yeah. first starting, whether it's a blog or a podcast or a video channel, it really doesn't matter. Anything that you're trying to build that's going to make money, you're going to have to pay some taxes. So let's talk about those considerations when first starting your business in this space.
1: Typically, when people kind of run off and they end up you know, maybe doing it on side as a side hustle and they're doing that. Um, while they're doing, they have an W two wages that they're working for somebody and they're doing it as side hustle. They're usually starting off as a sole prop, just on the side when they're ready to venture out and get an LLC with their state. That's, um, a a really great way to do so. Um, and then have some liability protection from there.
0: How Um, does one do that? Let's, let's, let's get as basic as we can. How how does, what is an LLC and how in the world do I start one?
1: Well, and, and IRS does not really care all that much. If you're an LLC, it's really a state thing. And the whole purpose of it is if somebody were to sue you for anything, maybe copyright infringement or um, for anything, like they were to sue you for any kind of li- legal purposes. Um, it's limited to your company and they can't take your personal assets for any reason. So it's always super important to get some kind of legal protection within your state. Normally, when someone gets sued, they get sued within the state that they live in. So that's why right straight off the bat, you would get an LLC in the state that you live in. Um, so when you do that, you go to the state um, secretary of state, whatever that, that may be for you, depending on what state that is. And it's a very simple form to fill out um, an LLC. You, you can have LegalZoom do it, or you can have like your CPA do it. You can have I me do it, or you can even do it yourself. It's really not that difficult um, to do it. Really, you just need a physical address for a registered agent. Or you can um, hire, like spend money for an registered agent um, in your state to to do so. Now, that being said, depending on what state you live in, there might be state business taxes and some have minimums. So um, just keep that in mind before you do the LLC that you'll have a minimum tax possibly in the state that you live in. Um, it may or may not be worth it. And it depends on how hard. I always say if you're a sole prop and you're side hustling, you can keep going until you start getting bigger and you start making money, uh, LLC it because it, it, when people start making money, that's. If something gets, if someone's sued, that's when it starts getting a little bit harder. Um, not that you're going to get sued. I just, it's always just a risky thing at first. Um, but it's really important um, once you start getting your feet off the ground and you start doing more things and start making more money to get an LLC, Get uh, make sure you get some kind of limited protection. There's LLC, there's a corporation, um, there's S-Corps. So those are a whole other conversations if you want to get into it. <laughs> I mean, I could get into it, but you know I can.
0: And someday, and someday we will. Let's let's focus on the LLCs for now. I feel like that's the okay. best. And, and correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like that's the best option for getting getting off the ground as a personal brand solo entrepreneur.
1: Absolutely. And when you do that, there's so many elections you can do after that to grow. So it's a good starting point straight off the bat when you first start off.
0: Good. Let's start with those baby steps. That's where we got yeah. to learn to crawl before we before we start running, Mari. Now yeah. tell me about the relationship. So in the beginning, assuming you're making very little or even no money in the very, very beginning, tell me about the relationship between the LLC or the, the return, your, your tax return with your LLC and your personal tax return.
1: So on an LLC, if you're a single member, it's, it works the same way as your sole proprietor. It goes on a schedule C and on your, on your return. Now the tax returns look differently for 2018. So, um, I highly super suggest you get someone professional, a CPA, um, an enrolled agent to prepare, help you prepare with the tax return because it is going to be a doozy this year. So, um, Uh, you know, as it is, I'm always when people have schedule C's, and they're using TurboTax or something, I'm like, do you want me to just log into your TurboTax and check it out for you? Like, I because I'm very skeptical when you're doing it yourself. It's, it's always interesting that schedule C, there's a lot of rules that you, you know, that you don't know about as a schedule C, but even as a sole prop, regardless if you get LLC or not, your, your personal taxes are going to look exactly the same if you're just an LLC single member versus a sole pro- a proprietor. So that doesn't change for the IRS. The only time it changes is if we do an election for something different, something bigger. Does that make sense?
0: It does. And so thinking about, again, starting at the beginning, most likely it's going to be a side hustle for, for many folks. So right. assuming you have another source of income, possibly just a, a regular W-2 salaried or hourly position. So you have that income and then you have your LLC. And then Mm -hmm. you have either maybe some income and you definitely have some expenses. So tell me about how that all works with those, those startup expenses with the LLC and then all kind of commingled with W2 income.
1: Right. So on the schedule C, you're going to have your income and you're going to have your expenses kind of laid out there, you know, your travel expenses and um, your meals and, um, you know, your office expenses, your startup costs. Um, you know, things like that, maybe even like your computer that you want to write off and you put that on there. Um, there's something called section 179, any kind of assets, um, you can write it off in that one year and it's an expense and it offsets directly to your W2 income. So like it, it'll be a minus, let's say you have a loss on that year because you didn't do a whole lot, but you had a lot of expenses, then it's going to offset your income for the year. So that's, that's good. Um, but as you're making more money, you're going to also pay taxes on top of it. Plus self-employment taxes, because there's no withholding or anything. There's no, there's no social security, Medicare taking out of it. So that's the one thing about the LLC. It's going to take it out on your personal tax return. Um, but all your expenses are going to go on that, on that specific company and not on that, that sole prop, um, income and expenses, all detailed out on that side. That so there's two,
0: there's two, things that you, two things that you mentioned in terms of, of expenses. One was travel and then the other was mm-hmm. equipment. You mentioned computers. I'm going to use myself as an example here. I built mm-hmm. in this past year in 2018, I built a podcast studio essentially from the ground up Yay. and yeah, and I have an LLC, but I also have a, I also have W2 income. So mm-hmm. with an expense like that, and it can be anything and it can be something different for someone else. But for me, it's a podcast studio. How does that mm-hmm.
1: work? so the the great thing about podcast studio is all of that is a deduction i mean all the equipment and all of the things that you buy for that podcast it, studio is a deduction for directly related to your your podcast income so um let's say you buy the computers and the and the headphones and the um and the software equipment anything that's all a deduction 100% so you can write it off 100% offset it with your income um, but if that podcast studio is in your home, that's a whole other conversation. So, um, so those are going to be two completely different um situations. Um, but if you have all the equipment that's office expenses and podcast expenses, those are definitely directly related to your business that you can deduct straight off the bat because you're not using it for anything else. Now, that being said. You have to remember that um, that you, when you sell that equipment, you have to call that income. Now, normally, if you would buy it for personal use, you wouldn't put it on your return as, "Oh, I'm selling it to someone. I got to call it income." But when you were, to, if you were to sell it at some point, you'd have to claim it and say, "This is this is also income." You would put that as an asset, and then you would sell it to somebody. And then you would call that income as well. That would be a capital gain
0: because I wrote it off when I purchased because it.
1: You, exactly. Exactly. Interesting.
0: You wrote it off. Okay. So now different,
1: Right. The home office deduction is a little bit different. Um, those are percentage related. Um, but for a lot of taxpayers that the new tax reform means no more hof- home office expense. So that is going to be interesting. Um, we're still kind of waiting on some more of those details I believe that we're going to have some of that expense still, depending on what we've got going on. Um, but some of it won't be. Um, so that's that. one I would say, talk to your CPA uh, about that, about that part of it, uh, as things are changing all the time. Um, but you are still allowed some deduction. It's just going to be a little bit different, and depending on what you use it for. So if it's home office deduction for your W two and you're using it for that, you can't, you can no longer take it, but you can take it if it's on your schedule C. Um, and then it's a portion of the, of the, the square footage versus the whole square footage. So, so there's a, there's a little bit of rules for those kind of things. So I definitely suggest you talking to someone, if you want to know your, for your specific, um, situation, if you can still take it.
0: That's that's all fascinating stuff. And going to like state by state, like for example, like you, you're in Texas. So if someone is from another state other than Texas, is that would you take on that client or would you refer to them to someone in their home state?
1: It depends on the state, but I do so many states. Um, I pretty much know the majority of them. Um, I, I'm trying to think of. I've never done. Gosh, I think I'm trying to think of a state I've never done. <laughs> I can't think of a state I've never done. Um, feel like I've done every single state. Um, There's got to be an
0: award for that somewhere.
1: I'm trying to think. I was going to say Alaska, but that's not true. I have done Alaska before. I've also worked for big firms for a big firm where we did a lot of state taxes. So it's not scary to me anymore. I think if I came from just small firms, that'd be a different story probably.
0: Um, That's one of my very first rules in hiring a CPA is that they're not scared of it. If if my tax (laughs) return scares you, then I should probably go find someone else.
1: I always tell everyone I'm not scared of an IRS audit. I mean, knock on wood, I don't want to get audited or anything, but um, but, uh, but I've been through so many like that I've helped people out. They've called me and been like, I don't have a CPA. I'm getting audited for this specific year. And I'm like, okay, let's do it. And I, I'm just not scared of that. I know all the tricks and trades of an IRS audit. Now I'm going to get a lot of phone calls about IRS.
0: <laughs> did I mention that Maddie was a rock star? I know I did mention it and it is the absolute truth. So, uh, so let's slide over to travel because right here, of travel. course, we're we're talking travel, yeah. we're talking entrepreneurs in the travel space. So of course, we're going to want to know exactly what we can and cannot write off when it comes to our travel. So let's just dive in.
1: Yeah, travel is funny because um, it's 100% deductible if it's for business. So like period, I don't care. Travel is 100% deductible if you're doing it for business. That being said... Not all the time is our travel business, right? Like there's fun stuff we're doing with other, you know, other people and friends we want to see and that kind of thing. So um, the rule is, if you spend 50% of your time within the U.S. um, doing business, 100% of the transportation expense is deductible. So, so if you're in the U.S. traveling, just make sure you spend half that time doing work, Um, and 100% of that transportation expense is deductible. Now, doesn't mean the meals are deductible on a daily basis. If one day you're working, that might that could be a deduction, but the next day you're not, that's not a deduction. Does that make sense?
0: It does. So, one one little gray area, and maybe it's intentionally mm-hmm. vague, but the 50% of the time, is that 50 per, like 50% of your waking hours, 50% of the total time you're there? What exactly does that 50% capture?
1: I should, what I always say 50% of the time means, if you're going to spend um, five days somewhere, make sure you're working three days out of that week. Now, it doesn't have to be three 24 hour days, it could be a five or six hour day, you know, it, it has to be a reasonable day of work. That makes sense. Like for us CPAs, um, we have we have continuing education we have to follow. And in Texas, we have to do 40 hours a year of, of continuing education. So a lot of times we all go to Las Vegas, well, I don't go to Las Vegas to do CP, but we go to different places to do the continuing education in the last like, it's from the morning to like three o'clock in the afternoon. And we take, everybody takes their families so they can like do stuff in the afternoon, that kind of thing. That would be a hundred percent deductible because it's, you know, a five, it could be a seven day trip and five days, four or five days. We're at a conference or whatever. And, and that would be the majority of the time. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. And I'm thinking now in terms of, I mean, you're not filling out a time card, you're not punching a clock. And no. I'm just thinking about as a blogger or a photographer and your work, the proof of your work really is in, is in your content. So can you give me an yes. idea about how you can relate? Let's use your five-day example. You're, yes. you're visiting a country, you're going to blog about it. Yes. What, what, what kind of, how much content should you reasonably produce to say, yeah, that's, that's, that's 50%.
1: Well, and you know, honestly, it doesn't have to, there's no like time limitation. It has to be a reasonable amount. So if it means that you're doing some content blogging and you need to do some research that day, and maybe it's not a half a day or a whole day, it it just has to be reasonable. So like you couldn't have done it if you didn't go to that place, right? Right. So like you're in that place specifically to photograph, to, to blog about it, to experience it. And, and that is interrelated into your blog, into your photography, into your, into your content, then that is a production of your business. So as long as you're doing those things, there's no, there's no, there's no real, I can't say, oh, make sure it's five hours or six hours. No, no, no. It's, it just has to do with, you had to be there those days to produce that content. So let's say you just needed to experience three or four days. So that way you can produce that content for inspiration. That could be work and that's fine. The idea is that you're not going over there to visit that friend, but that's just a side reason. Like, oh, while I'm here, I might as well go say hi to that person. Does that make sense?
0: It does. So even if I wait till I get home, even weeks or even a month later, whatever, to actually write the post, to assemble the, the photos or record the podcast, edit the videos, whatever, th- that still counts because I was, I was there for the right. research, even though I didn't do the actual... I mean, work. It's like it's such a, a squishy term. Even if I didn't do create right. the actual content until much later.
1: Exactly. It's still good.
0: I'm still on the right side of yeah. Uncle Sam.
1: Exactly. Exactly. It, you. It's. It's reasonable. It's it has to be explainable. If we can explain it, this is what we're doing, and this is why. Uh, an agent, an IRS agent, is going to say, "Okay, that sounds reasonable to them." As long as it's logical and reasonable, they're pretty logically logical and reasonable of themselves. So um as long as you can explain to someone and it doesn't sound like BS, then it's it it it's fine. <laughs> that makes sense.
0: Yeah without naming any names or calling anybody out, can you can you point to an example of just just someone who took advantage of the system and got caught up in it or got caught doing it?
1: Like badly
0: or good? Yeah we just well within this within this travel space like I'm thinking like you know because it's so this whole idea of of content creation it's so loose and squishy and, and that's fine but yeah. thinking like oh I went I spent two weeks in Europe and I you know posted a few times on Instagram that's all I did but that's all I do is post on Instagram. So is that was I working? So, was I not working?
1: For actually for outside of the US it's different roles. It's in the US it's fifty percent of the time. Outside of the US, if you are seven days or less doesn't matter 100% of the transportation cost for any time as business it's 100% of the transportation costs for any time as business so but um, the magic for 7 days or more the magic number is 75% or more on business for 100% of the transportation expenses so um, that so that would be the if you spend more than 7 days so if you're going to Europe for 7 days or less doesn't matter what time you're spending on business, as long as you're spending some time for business, 100% of those transportation costs is deductible. So, but like I said, if you're spending two weeks, that magic number is 75%. So you can take all of the deduction for transportation expenses. So now it changes when it's between 50 to 75%. Let's say you're going for a wedding uh, and you're going to spend half the time um as long as you spend 50% to 75% you deduct only that business percentage of transportation costs. So like the number of business days and number of personal days that's how you would decide what that percentage is for transportation and costs. Does that make sense? Yeah. So mm-hmm.
0: Go ahead. I was going to say I've, I've, I've been trying to keep this as as general as possible. I
1: know.
0: And but I, I'm going to ask you one there's like I'm going to be straight up on it this is 100% me asking for, for my own personal benefit. So I write a family travel blog and I travel with my family who are essential to the content of that blog. What part of their expenses can I write off?
1: So it's funny that you said that I literally just had this conversation yesterday with someone, uh, that he, he's also a family blogger. Um, and I, it's, that is a hundred percent deductible um, because they're all going to, that is what it is. And actually I, I say that he's not a family blogger. He's a couple blogger. So, um, that is all because they're both producing that content and that's specifically towards that, then it would be deduction, the deduction. Now, if someone's just going for you with you on the trip, just for funsies, and they're not going to, it's not any part of it that's different, but all the transportation costs would be deducted uh, in your scenario. So it really just, like that just for funsies yeah Yeah. so someone that's just it's kind of the same thing like when if you as a w-2 employee and the company says oh i needed to send you here and um then you buy your spouse a ticket so they can co-hang with you so that's kind of the same kind of thinking a little bit um but it but it works the same way as a family blogger um and you're, you're producing that content for to decide that, then that is 100% deductible. All those transportation costs would be deducted. Does that make sense?
0: It does make um, sense. And that's the answer I was hoping for, quite honestly. And,
1: and for seven days or more, if you're less than 51% on business, there's no deduction. So make sure you work more than half the time, like period. Just make sure you work more than half the time. Whatever that means for you.
0: Whatever that, yeah, and, that's that sounds like the yeah. real concrete takeaway from yes. that and I will definitely yes. plan to do that. I'm taking my family overseas for the first time, all four of us, in in the springtime. And I was just really starting to think about think it through tax-wise, because I know yeah. I know how much we paid for everything and I want to I want to keep it on the up and yeah. up at the same time I don't want to miss any any deductions. So that's that's awesome advice. I appreciate it.
1: And it would be helpful also just to put it on a calendar. IRS agents love calendars and if it shows that on your calendar this is what I did. Um, they, it's just actual proof that you did it, you know? So, um, sometimes just putting things on a calendar, of like what your goals are for that day or just your to-do list kind of works out in your benefit. Cause you have some kind of timeline there.
0: Well, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good at keeping a calendar. I wouldn't be able to, yeah. I wouldn't have been on this interview with you. If it wasn't on my calendar, I would have forgotten right? about it. And
1: I know me, too. me so
0: too. Certainly appreciate that. Well, Maddie, I'm going to kind of cut it here. I think we've said we've gotten everybody started. There's so much more, so much more we can dive into. And I'm going to wait for some great feedback too on this episode where people are at with, you know, in their, in their tax considerations, people who haven't started an LLC or have, or maybe they're, they're starting to make some real money and they want to move to the next level. Maybe we can come back and answer some of those questions later. But in the meantime, madicpa.com that's M-A-R-I-C-P-A dot com is the place to learn more about Madi and everything she does because I there's just so much to know I don't want to drop too much on in one episode but Madi thanks so much for taking the time we really appreciate everything that you do and all the best
1: thanks for having me thank you so much
0: if you create travel content, then you know how important it is to truly connect with your audience. And podcasting is simply a phenomenal way to create those intimate connections. Podcasting lets you use the power of your voice to share your message, change people's lives, all while expanding your influence and growing your business. My friend, podcasting is a huge part of my dream life, and I want to help make it part of yours too. So if you're ready to start using the power of your voice, take that first step by going to dramaticpodcasting.com and there you're going to find everything you need to start your podcasting journey from how to create and launch your podcast to how to grow your audience and start making money. It's all there, my friend. It's at dramaticpodcasting.com.